But I just want to begin by praying a blessing over the dads that are here. Could all of you fathers, if you're here, if you're a dad, whether your children are here or not, grandfathers, could you just stand just a minute? And I just want to pray God's blessing in your life. What is needed in our world today is godly men. Not, not undermining the necessity of godly women, but we need godly men to lead, to lead in our families, to lead in the businesses that we work in, to lead in our civil government, to lead as examples of men of character and men of faith, to be examples to young children, to fatherless kids that don't have the privilege of having a, a dad in their life. There's so many but, I, you know, it's hard being a dad. I, I, I don't care what age you are and how old your kids are. It's not easy being a dad. It's not easy staying on the right path and being the right example. But I just want to commend you for what you, your presence here today simply says, I want to be an example to my kids. I want to be an example in my community. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want him to use me as he sees fit all my days. Lord, we just bless the men that are here. We're honored that they are here today. We do honor them for not only sacrificial hours of work, but the, the joy of play. Uh, Lord, the decision to lead and live a godly life in front of their children I want to pray that you would give them all health and strength and vitality, but you would also give them, Lord, discernment of the Holy Spirit to know when there needs to be intervention, when there's a problem, when there's something wrong, and, Lord, that you would help them take the appropriate step. But I bless them all today. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Give them one more big hand. God bless you, dads. Well, praise the Lord. You got your Bibles. Go with me. Hebrews chapter 11. I was debating. I've been doing a series called Faith Endures and Faith Receives. And uh, I was debating whether to just do something, quote, just for Father's Day. But it just happened that the next uh, biblical character we're going to look at is a perfect example of a dad. His name was Noah. And Noah, as you recall, the historical account in the book of Genesis, Noah was a man who literally saved his family from the judgment of sin that fell upon the world. We will see that not only did he help them get on an ark, but we will, uh, to, 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 as an example of his faith in God, but also of his character. He was called a righteous and a blameless man. So I think he's perfect, not just for dads, but for all of us today. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what I'm trying to do in this series is to show you that biblical faith is not just uh, uh, an Aladdin's lamp that we, you know, say a quick prayer and God automatically does something. It has a, an, an, an element to it of enduring faith. Some of the great heroes of, of chapter 11 that will inspire you were men and women that endured, sometimes cases, decades, in some cases, most of their life. And they held on to the promise of God and they waited for the timing of God and they received the answers to what God had promised. So it will inspire you. But Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is defined for us. It says, faith shows us the reality, and look at that word, the reality of what we hope for. And it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, I want you to think of those two words, reality and evidence. Uh, in, in our world today, we're, we deal with facts. And we somehow think faith is like a wish and a fact is something that's real. But what the Bible is telling us is that faith that is aligned with God's will 
And faith that waits on God's timing is a spiritual fact. It is not a wish. And it's to be elevated as an anchor for our soul. For example, how many believe after you die you're going to go to heaven? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. Those of you that don't, we'll pray for you after church today. But, but have you ever been to heaven? Uh, has the, uh, uh, the new uh, telescope that uh, uh, is better than the Hubble telescope, has it seen heaven? This place where God dwells? So it's a place we hadn't seen, but yet by faith we believe what the Bible teaches us about the atoning work of Christ on the cross where Jesus can forgive our sins. And the words of Jesus are, he that would believe in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So by faith, we orient our lives around that. Uh, my wife and I, we give a portion of our money. We give tithes. We give offerings in faith because we believe the Bible. Uh, she goes on missions trips because we believe the Bible. So faith moves us into action. Faith is not just a belief or a hope or a wish. It's always accompanied by action. And I want to develop this for you today. But Noah, it, it, last week, if you were here, we talked about uh, faith in terms of the creation of the universe. We talked about not only does the believer have faith, but the scientist has faith because creation cannot be replicated uh, as an experiment is supposed to be replicated to be proven. But we talked a bit about that. We talked about two heroes. You remember Abel and a man named Enoch. But today we're going to talk about Noah. And when you think about Noah, what comes to mind? An ark and a flood. And you're exactly right. So let's jump into it today. He's, a, he's my hero. We're going, to begin, we're going to look at one verse, verse 7 of Hebrews 11. And it says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. In other words, his faith was a belief in God that prompted an action. And in this case, he obeyed God who had warned him about things that had never happened before. And see, this is faith. How many know if you're looking at something, you don't take any faith to believe that it's there. This book is in my hand. But to believe that something will be in my hand that Amazon is bringing. Well, Amazon, you don't need a lot of faith in Amazon. They're pretty, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty good too. But anyway, uh, it says, by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. And listen, he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, we're going to learn today as we'll see that I cannot earn my way into heaven. Heaven is a gift from God. Uh, the righteousness we receive comes from and because of Jesus Christ. When Christ forgives our sins and, we, and he becomes our Savior, we, he what's called imputes righteousness to us. He declares us righteous, righteous just as if I'd never sinned. He justifies us. So we're going to see how that worked out in Noah's life. But there's a picture of a modern-day Noah's Ark, and it was not intended to float, but it's built in the state of Kentucky. It's actually a great place to vacation, but it's a museum called a Creation Museum. And that's kind of a replica of Noah's Ark. Um, uh, but Genesis chapter 6, I want to, from uh, the picture we've painted in Hebrews, I want to go to Genesis chapter 6 and read a little more what the world was like in Noah's day. And I want you to pay particular attention because you're going to see some parallels to the day in which we live. You're going to see that there was once a judgment by water on the earth for evil. And then God says one day there's going to be a judgment on the earth by fire 
for the same reason, because of evil and sin in the world. But salvation comes through faith in the loving God who's made a way to save us. Let's go back to Genesis, the book of beginnings. It's chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. Now listen to this, on the earth. He saw everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's a strong statement. That's not just saying some people were murderers and some people were rapists and some people stole and some people lied. That's saying that most everybody lived that way. And how many know once something gets started, a trend gets started, if you get in business and it starts taking bribes to get jobs before you know it, everybody's involved in bribery. Are are you with me today? So uh, it's a terrible picture, but verse 6 tells us something about God. It says it broke his heart. Because God created people to have relationship with him. Jesus came that we might have what scripture calls an abundant life, a wonderful life that God might give us. But because they had rejected God, it broke his heart. And the Lord said, verse 7, I'm going to wipe the human race I've created from the face of the earth. Verse 8, and here's one of our key verses of the day. But Noah found favor or grace with the Lord. Grace means God's kindness. Noah, verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man. Now listen to this. The only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Now we're going to come back to these words. He was righteous, a blameless man. And to be blameless simply means you're not someone given to doing wrong. It doesn't mean you're sinless or you're perfect, but you're not someone that's given to doing wrong. You do the right things in life. But he had close fellowship with God. Now, isn't that what Enoch had? We studied last week. Enoch had close fellowship with God, and one day God took him. He literally was translated to heaven without dying. Well, it doesn't stop there. Verse 14, the provision was is to build a large boat or an ark, and God said, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood everything on earth will die. Now that's a significant statement because we're going to talk a little bit about science in the message today because Genesis is the book of beginnings and there are many that believe that there was a large flood, but they believed it was a localized flood in parts of the Middle East. But the Bible tells us here, everything on earth will die, which implies that every continent was underwater, that everything was underwater. And then when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. And here we are, moms and dads, all your family, all your kids from among all the people of the earth. And what a compliment. I can see, this is what God says, that you, Noah, alone are righteous. Now, what a testimony for God to look at the way you've lived your life. And there's no Christian TV. Come on, there's no K-Love Radio. There's no church services. There's no Christian music. There's no, you know, Christian fellowship church. There's none of that. It's just you, a godly person that are believing the Lord, and God sees it. Now, listen to me just a moment. God sees you too. And God sees me. And God sees every person in that car show parking lot. And he sees every person on the face of the earth. You say, how can he do that? He's God. He didn't have the limitations that we as human beings have. God has the capacity to know everything about us, to know the thoughts that we think, the actions that are in our lives. But he knows us individually. And on one hand, that's a scary thing. But on another hand, that can be a very wonderful thought. 
because God wants to be your father. He wants to be more than just the creator. He wants to be more than the judge of the world. He wants to be your father. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to be his son. He wants us to be a part of the family of God. And uh, anyway, so we're going to jump in with Noah here. But I first want to give talk, talk just a little bit about the evidence of a worldwide flood. Now, I am not a scientist, but I want to make a couple of observations relating to science and what we're taught today. Show me this picture here, uh, and it's a picture of a fish, and guess where this fish was found? Top of Mount Everest. You're so smart, or maybe you can read. Uh, it was found on top of Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain in the world. Now, the question we got to ask ourselves is, how did it get there? I found fossils in Arkansas in the mountains. How did it get there? The question is not, is it there? I mean, it's a fact. The question is how it got there. So naturally, as a good American today, I did what everybody else does. Uh, I asked Siri. And I said, Siri, how did fossils get to the top of Mount Everest? And she quoted an old New York Times article that had, uh, I think, resource from NASA but she said it was through a process called uplift where animals died, in this case, this fish died uh, 15 to 20 million years ago. You know, it's easy to throw out 100 million years or 200 million years or the earth is a billion years old. Who knows? Who, it's nothing that can be replicated, but they're trying to make the facts of what they understand fit together. Their carcasses settled to the ocean floor or this fish died. He's on the, in the mud. He's embedded in this in the sediment. And then, now listen to this, a violent um, upthrusting of the Andean chain carried the sediments to the top of the mountains. In other words, what she's saying is on the ocean floor, there was some kind of eruption under the earth that caused the Andes mountains to be formed and they carried this fossil up to the top of the mountain. Now, that's what you study in science today. That's what you're taught if you go to a, to a geology class. Uh, but I want to suggest something. That, might not ne that idea might not necessarily conflict with the Bible because Genesis 7, 11, because first let me say this. I have no problem with God flooding the earth and a fish getting stuck on top of the mountain. Just today, like, you know, I, I, I've lived in the outdoors all my life. And in the summertime, when it gets really dry, fish that used to swim in a flooded river and river basin, uh, those fish got stuck in a little pothole. And before you know it, the water's going down and those fish are going to die. Well, I have no problem believing that the water level was as high as Mount Everest and a fish <laughs> just, uh, just, just got stuck there. And that's how you found the fossil, okay? I'm, I, I have no problem believing that. But for those that don't believe that, Genesis 7, 11 says Noah, Noah is about 600 years old. Now listen to this. All the underground waters erupted from the earth and rain fell in mighty torrents. When we think about the flood, we think about it rained 40 days and 40 nights. But we miss this part. One translation says the fountains of the great deep burst forth. Now, why is it that there are, that you can, in most parts of the world, you can dig into the ground to drill and hit water? It's because water is under the surface of the earth. Uh, and I may have told uh, that there are rivers 
even like as large as the Mississippi River that flow underneath the earth, just like above the earth. Well, the Bible is here telling us that there's somehow some eruption. Of course, some scientists believe that rather than there being multiple continents or land masses like there are now, there was at one time one or several, and some eruptions like this caused, you know, the fossils to be on top of the mountain. Well, if they want to believe it was caused by an eruption, that doesn't shake my faith in God because God was the one that caused the eruption. So... But so listen, either, 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 either God caused the water and the fish just swam up there and went kaput or God caused the eruption and that caused the ocean to turn into a mountain. Either way, it doesn't bother me, but that's just a little science. But let me give you something else. It's from a doctor, John Morris. He's a PhD. And this is very intriguing because this is uh, uh, on a rational uh, level based on facts and his article said, why does nearly every culture have a tradition of a global flood? Now, he studied 200 cultures around the world and found that they shared in common a global cataclysmic flood that covered the earth. He's quoting people from the Middle East all the way to South America, all the way to the islands in the Pacific. And listen to what he found. He found uh, that 88% of these cultures believed that there was what's called a favored family that was protected. That was Noah. Uh, he found that they were forewarned. Two out of three, 66% believed that God warned them the flood was coming. Uh, the third thing, that the flood was due to the wickedness of man, 66%. Now, this is cultures around the world. 95% that the, believe that the catastrophe that destroyed the world was a flood. And also that the flood was global. 70% believed that the survival was because of a great ship or a boat and 67% believed animals were, uh, were even saved. So if we took the Bible away and we just took these facts, these research facts that he found from cultures around the world, here's how the story would go. Once there was a worldwide flood sent by God to judge the wickedness of man. But there was one righteous family which was forewarned by the coming flood. They built a boat on which they survived the flood along with the animals. And as the flood ended, their boat landed on a high mountain from which they descended and repopulated the whole earth. Now, that's a secular version. Come on, apart from the Bible. But you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like the Bible. Come on now. And that sounds like the story of Noah and the early account of Genesis, which to me uh, 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 upholds the integrity of the Scripture. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand for that today. Now, I want to give you five life applications from Noah's life. When I read the Bible, I'm not just concerned about facts and stories and history and numbers and statistics. I want to know, how does this speak to me? How can I apply the Bible in my life? How can I find Bible principles from a book that was brought together 2,000 years ago, how can I find Bible principles that are going to make my life better today? And we've got five we're going to look at today. And here's the first one. They're all about Noah. The first one is that God will bless those who live by faith in God and walk in close fellowship with him. 
God will bless those who have faith in God and walk in close fellowship. Again, verse 9 says Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man or the one that had integrity, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, the only one on the planet. Now, I want to ask you to rate yourself just a minute, and you don't have to sell anybody, but, but rate yourself from 1 to 10. If 1 is you're like the devil himself and 10 is you're an angelic being, where would you fit along that scale somewhere? Because Noah is somewhere along a 9 or a 10. And I say that to you not to discourage you in any way, but listen, if you're honest enough to say you're a 3 or a 4, it's time to bump up to a 5 or a 6. And if you're a five or a six, you need to have an aspiration. I want to get up to a six or a seven. And I mean, I'm working, I'm working my way up, not to earn my salvation, but something good happened to a man, come on, that walked close with God. Somebody that, when they, they had close fellowship, that means somebody that prays, somebody that talks to God more than when they're in trouble, somebody that reads the Bible, somebody that helps the poor, somebody that lives by the golden rule, somebody that loves their wife as Christ loved the church, a wife that honors her husband as unto the Lord. Lord. It's living the Bible in the Bible way and being close with God. Um, but Noah not only had a close walk, but he was called a righteous man. Now listen to this. This is very important. Not because of the way he lived, but first because of his faith in God. Now I want you to connect faith and righteousness together. Listen to what the, Roman, uh, the, book, uh, the Bible says in Romans 4. It says people are counted as righteous or declared righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sin. So in the same way, you and I understand God through the cross or through the person of Jesus Christ, and we have faith in God. Uh, 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 um, Noah had faith in God. He didn't yet know the cross, but he had the same faith in God that Adam and Eve had that was the creator, the sustainer of life. And uh, uh, he knew that there needed to be an atonement or a covering for sin. You remember I taught you last week when Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, their child Abel knew the story of what happened. When they left the Garden of Eden, God clothed them with animal skins, which meant not only he gave them clothes to wear, but the blood that was shed. Now, here's a biblical principle in Hebrews. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So when Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden, they walked with an animal that covered their sin or atoned for their sin. And guess what? Abel, Abel last week, as we read, he was declared righteous because his sacrifice from God also included the blood of this animal to atone for the sins of humanity. Now, how many know when Jesus came on the cross, there's no longer a need for an animal because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to atone or pay the penalty for our sin. When blood is shed, the Bible says life is in the blood, so a life is given for a life. So Jesus' death on the cross gave his life so you and I could have eternal life. Now, that's worth a big praise to the Lord. And it is his blood that makes us righteous, and we have faith in that, and we hang on to that, and we believe it. If somebody asks you, why are you going to heaven, and you say, because I'm a good person, I got news for you, friend, you're not going to make it. 
But if somebody says to you, why are you going to heaven? And you say, it's because I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my savior. He died for my sins and I'm following him. You're on the right track, friend. It's because your faith is in what happened 2,000 years ago. Come on now. That is validated by the hundreds of witnesses that saw him face to face afterwards. Jesus is not some mythological feature, uh, figure. Listen, Jesus is the most talked about person of ancient antiquity. And people are still talking about him today because he has the power to make us righteous and save us. Come on. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, let me give you the second application. And this is probably the biggest of the day. And that is that biblical faith doesn't just believe it obeys. Now, belief is in our minds. Uh, it's easy to say, I believe in Jesus, but not be his follower. But I suggest this from a biblical point of view. If you've never repented or turned to follow Christ, you've never truly believed in him. Because the evidence in believing is the changed life. Let's get into this. Biblical faith obeys. Verse 7, uh, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. What's it say? He obeyed God. Now you say, well, okay, so that sounds kind of easy, but it was the proof. What his actions revealed that his faith was real. And in the same way, if you and I today confess that we are Christians, our actions either validate it or they undermine our belief. It's our actions that validate our faith. James said in James 2, faith that does nothing is dead. In other words, faith is meaningless. It's useless unless it brings change in your life. Now, let's go back to Noah and this idea of faith. It was not easy for Noah to have faith in God. Now, I want you to think about this first, the enormity of the ark. Uh, it, is, it was 510 feet long. Now, a football field from uh, 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 touchdown, whatever, touchdown the zero-yard line to, uh, is 300 feet if you go to the goalpost, you add another, what is it, 60 feet. If you go to the grass area that's behind the goalpost, add another 100 feet. And then you got a track you're going to add, and then you're going to add a fence. So think of something that long. And the Bible also says that it was 85 feet wide. A football field is 160 feet wide, the playing field. So it's half as long as a football field and much larger. Now, the, the crazy thing about it is uh, it took faith because he built it on dry land. He didn't have a big trailer where he was going to pull it with his Ford truck. He didn't build it next to a great lake. He built it on dry land. And you say, well, pastor, it sounds like he's crazy. And another thing that's odd, it had never rained. You say, well, I've never heard that. Well, let me read it to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. The Lord God had not caused it to rain. A mist cloud, or other translations say streams from underground, were going up from the land, watering it. It was like a giant greenhouse. So here you've got, who knows, thousands or millions of people that are alive at the time, and it had never rained. And now Noah is talking about umbrellas and water coming out of the air. And on top of that, it took 55 to 75 years to build. 
He hadn't seen a thing. He hadn't seen the first raindrop or anything. Come on. There, was any, there were no umbrellas in stores. He didn't have anything to, but faith in God to do what God said. And then one day his family got on the boat and God shut the door. Now, can you imagine what it was like when Noah, now think about this now, for 50, 60, 70 years, going into his local Home Depot. <laughs> My grandson, who's, uh, uh, how old is he, five, almost six, uh, he turned to his grandma last service. He was here, and he said, now, how did they have Home Depots back then, Lonnie? <laughs> so that's what's called a, a, a joke fib, okay? Uh, but, but imagine him going into the local Lowe's department, Lowe's, okay? And he goes in there, and when they see him drive up in whatever he drove up in, they say, hey, everybody get ready in the hammer department, in the screw department, in the DeWalt screw guns. Noah's coming back in. And he comes in, and somebody says, hey, Noah, have you got an umbrella yet? Noah said, hadn't rained yet. Now, you think about something. That situation, doesn't that seem crazy? But it wasn't crazy. Because it was built on God's word, it was obedience until God's timing, and then God brought the animals to the ark. He didn't have to round them up. The Bible says that God brought them two by two, and guess what? God shut the door, and then judgment fell on the earth. So faith doesn't just believe, uh, doesn't just believe it obeys. And Noah believed God and built that ark anyway, and that, friends, is faith in action. And that is what you want to have. I don't care if none of the friends in your classroom believe in God, if nobody on the sports team believes in God, if nobody at work believes in God, if they make fun of you, if they mock you, if they celebrate the immorality that's in the world, and you say, no, I'm going to live a pure life. I'm going to be a virgin until I marry. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not living the way I used to live. And they'll mock you and they'll laugh at you. Your faith in God keeps you going in the right direction. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord today. Faith obeys. Let me give you the third one. Human wickedness. Now, this is a tough one. Human wickedness and evil will bring God's judgment. Human wickedness and evil. Genesis chapter 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was what? Consistently and totally evil. It happened before. It will happen again. It's the best joke I had today. That was a Bruce, Mill Bruce Willis meteorite saving the earth at that time. We're talking about Jesus, though. Come on. Saving Noah uh, during the flood. But there's going to be a judgment of fire that's going to come the next time. It's not a meteorite that's going to hit the earth. The Bible says that the world is going to be judged by fire. Let, let's keep reading here uh, in, in Romans chapter 2. And I want you to listen to this. Because we're talking about human wickedness and evil. Now look at me just a minute, eyeball to eyeball. We live in a world today that doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. We live in a world today that the latest Supreme Court justice cannot even tell us what a woman is. We live in a world where just this past week, in spite of the uproar of Catholics, the Dodgers professional baseball team honored what was a group called the Sisters of Indulgence who were a group of drag queens who belittled the Catholic faith. 
And they say there were more reporters in the stands than there were fans. And there were several thousand Catholics that were boycotting out in front. And they were going to a baseball game. So for some reason, we've brought this into our culture. It's trying to be pushed upon our children. Things that the Bible calls wickedness and things that are wrong. And it's like we're just spinning in a chair and we've lost the sense of which way is left and which way is right and what's up and what's down. This is wickedness and evil that's in the world. And the Bible says in the last days, it's evil is going to get worse and worse. Well, this is what happened in Noah's day, but listen about the future. And this is a prediction of the future. Romans chapter 2, Paul is speaking to people who are resisting God He says, you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin. And because of this, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You say, how can a loving God have righteous judgment? I'll tell you, friend, a loving God saw Adam and Eve walk out of the Garden of Eden and said, I'm going to cover and pay the price for your sin. There's going to be an exchange, an atonement of an animal sacrifice that happened hundreds, happened hundreds and hundreds of years And finally, God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that no matter what you've done in this life, you could be forgiven. You could have eternal life. You could have a new start. God is a loving God, but God is also a just God. If you have a a quarter, it has heads and tails. It's not just, if it's two sides of heads, it may be a collector's item, but it is not legitimate currency. God is loving, but God is just for those that choose willingly to reject him. He will judge everyone according to what they've done. Now, here's some good news for you. He'll give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. You are not earning your way to heaven, but because you're a follower of Jesus, you move from a three to a four to a five to a six to a seven, and Jesus said, a reward is coming for you. Verse eight, the tragedy is he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. God at the very core has given human beings the right to choose. Am I going to go God's way or am I going to ignore God and go my own way? And my friends, I will tell you, there was consequences in Noah's day and there will be consequences in the one future day. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Now, let me get real personal with this next point, this fourth application. Even if our friends and other people live un- other ungodly lives, we don't have to be like them. Now, I want you to listen to me, young people, because you are under far more pressure than I was when I was a teenager or when I was in college. But Genesis 7, 1, God looked at Noah and said, I see that you alone are righteous. You may be the only righteous person in your sorority. You may be the only righteous person in your fraternity. I would suggest you find a Christian one because they're out there. But if that's the route you want to go in Greek life, you may be the only righteous person in your classroom on the football team, in the bass tournament, in the golf tournament or whatever. But listen, you be righteous anyway. It paid off for no one. It'll pay off for you. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 4 said. It's in the New Testament here, and it's comparing for the believer their past life and their future. He said, you had enough in the past of the evil things that godly people enjoy. How many can say sin is enjoyable? 
this room is filled with a bunch of liars too. I thought I could count on Sunday second service. The reason we want to sin is because we like it. It's fun. It's it's, it's same. Adam and Eve, do whatever you want to. Just don't eat this, this whatever it was, an apple or a fruit of this tree. And that's the one they had to have. But Peter said, you've had enough of that. Got what godless people enjoy, the immorality. Now think about modern entertainment, lust, feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, worship of idols. Of course, your former friends, and listen to this, they're surprised when you no longer plunge into the, into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. What does that mean? They're going to make fun of you. If when they're, you know, passing the peace pipe and you don't take a puff, come on, and you don't take a puff, they're going to make fun of you. When they're passing the bottle or, 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 or when they're all taking their clothes off, Come on, let's just keep going. I mean, when they're just living ungodly and worldly lives, but you say, no, I'm not going to do that, they will make fun of you. And if they make fun of you, you ought to walk out that door and do two things. You ought to say, thank you, Jesus, for helping me do the right thing, and please change their hearts before it's too late. Because, listen, friend, God is watching. Your former friends will slander you. Remember, verse 5, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, the living and the dead. Now, let me give you a fact of life. You will become like the people closest to you. Whoever is hanging out with you the most, whoever you are following the most on TikTok or whatever, you're going to be influenced by that. Listen to what Paul said about people who denied the resurrection. In other words, they, they denied the whole Jesus thing. They said, if there's no resurrection, let's just feast and drink. In other words, let's just party hardy because tomorrow we're going to die. Listen to what Paul said. He said, bad company corrupts good character. I remember the first time I drank a bottle of beer. Now, let me give you a little my, back, my background. My granddaddy was an alcoholic, and he died drinking a case of beer a day. And I loved him dearly, but it killed him. I'm in the ninth grade. We go to district playoffs. And back then, we didn't ride buses. I'm in a car with some seniors. And they decide to stop at the beer store. And they had those little Miller bottles, what are they called? Um, <laughs> do, do, do they still have them? Well, I remember the pressure in that back seat of that car. And you know what? They opened them, so I opened them. And that first time I tasted it, it was the nastiest tasting stuff I'd ever put in my mouth. So I spit it back in the bottle. But I noticed them periodically taking the bottles and throwing them at stop signs. But they were empty. And when I threw mine out, it was full. And then I got home and all was cool. And then my best friend in the 11th grade opened another one. And before I knew it, I had a cooler in the trunk. And my life started headed that way for about three years. You will become like the people you hang out with. If you are somewhere and, you, and the people around you, listen to me, young people, 
the people around you are pressuring you into sin, into drugs, into sex or anything, you call somebody and tell them to come and get you. And if you don't have their number, I will come and get you. Get somebody to get you out of that mess because they will pull you into a ditch. Don't think it's, well, I'm, I'm out of time. Let me close with the last little life application here. Our task is to tell as many people as we can about Jesus before it's eternally too late. Now listen to this. Uh, in Peter, 2 Peter 2, he's talking about the judgment of sin and evil. He said, if God didn't spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on ungodly people, but he protected Noah. What's it say? A, it say? a preacher of righteousness. Now, that word preacher does not mean somebody behind a wooden box. It is a communicator. So Noah, put the picture of Noah here. This says it all. Now, this is a portrait. This is not an actual picture. But it depicts uh, the ark that Noah has built, the animals coming in, and he's telling the people that judgment is coming because of sin, and God's way of salvation is to be safe inside the ark, which we know now the ark is Christ. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness, which means he, he, he loved people enough to tell them there is a God that loves you. You're going in the wrong direction. And if you don't stop, judgment will come in your life. You need to turn around and follow God. And I want to tell you, friend, that is the great commission. That is why this church exists, to tell as many people about possible, about Christ, before it is eternally too late. It is our number one task. But I leave you with this one scripture, and let's put Romans up there, Romans 10, before we close. It says, before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe. Before someone can ask Christ to forgive them, they must believe in him. But notice what else it says. It says, before they believe in him, they must hear about, hear about him. And for them to hear about him... Someone must tell them, and that someone, friend, is you and me. And that is our great privilege, but our great task to tell as many people as possible that there is a loving God who wants relationship with you for eternity, but you must turn from your sins and follow him. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. He is worthy, worthy of our praise.